Holmes Politicast. Uh, I'll be your host today. I hope everyone has had a great week. I hope your allergies aren't too bad. Mine have been pretty bad the last couple days, and uh, hopefully there won't be any problems while I'm recording. I'll try to hit the pause button if uh, I start sneezing or some craziness. But uh, yeah, it's it's. I, I don't even know what I'm allergic to, but there's something this time of year that just really messes with me. Couldn't even sleep the other night. Like I kept waking up, my nose was running, sneezing. I just I just could not get a good night's sleep. But hopefully, but other than that, it was a good week, and hopefully your week is going well. There are a lot of stories to get to today. Um, the first one that I want to talk about is. Uh, we have the president and vice president out of the country right now. Uh, the vice president is was in Guatemala, and then she was in Mexico, and the president is going to Europe for the G7 summit, and he's going to stop first in Britain or England, and then I don't know where the summit is, is actually being held, and he's going to do that. But uh, the interesting thing was, you may have heard about this, that Kamala Harris was interviewed after, there's a couple of things that Kamala Harris has done that has already created controversy just in the past couple of days. The first thing that she did was an interview with NBC's Lester Holt, in which she was asked about going to the border. This is a question that um, has been plaguing her for quite some time. Ever since Biden put her in charge of the border crisis, she hasn't actually gone to the border. Now, in all fairness, she has been meeting with people, having Zoom meetings and virtual online meetings uh, with people, with the guards and other things. So it's not as if she's totally ignored it. But she hasn't personally gone there herself. And I don't know if I've talked about this before. I have split feelings about that. Like, I don't really know what the purpose of going there is. And I'm not just talking about her. I'm talking about, you know, like there was criticism about George W. Bush not going to see the damage after Hurricane Katrina. Like, you know, he flew over it, he saw it, but then they're like, you didn't come down there. You didn't talk to people. You didn't see what needed to be done. I'm like, I, I really don't know what him going there and physically seeing it is going to be, is going to help him any more than having somebody tell me, there's extensive damage. We're going to need $7 billion to repair it. You know, how does him having actually to go there and see it in person give him any more information that and how much the damage is going to be? It's just kind of a PR thing. So I, I, I don't know if it's real effective, but I know psychologically and PR-wise, it looks as if you're doing something, and that is the thing about Harris. I don't know what actually going to the border would tell her that she doesn't already know. Like, I already know there's a border crisis, and I've not been to the border. I don't need to go there to know there's a crisis at the border. And that's that's what I mean. Like, I don't know what really would be the effect of her going, except that it looks like she's taking it seriously. But having said that, her answer was absolutely ridiculous. So she's been hounded about this for quite some time, but why aren't you going to the border? So NBC's Lester Holt asked her, you know, you know, she said that um, we, meaning the administration, has been to the border. We're talking to people on the border. We're doing these things. And he said, but you haven't been to the border. And she just gave this very flippant um, response of, well, I haven't been to Europe either. So um, 
you know, basically, what are you trying to say? I, I just thought that was a really disrespectful answer, and she should have known this question was going to come up. And it just surprises me that she didn't have a better prepared answer than just a sarcastic, in you know, just really rude, sarcastic comment. Well, I haven't been to the border. I haven't been to Europe either. So what? Um, you know, nobody's talking about there being a problem in, in Europe. There's a crisis at the border, and that's, you know, he was asking the simple question, why haven't you gone to the border yet? What What's going on? And then she was just sarcastic. That was the first thing. She said that, and of course, social media erupted with criticism. Even Democrats were saying, what kind of an answer was that? Um, and then she stepped in it even more later on by publicly saying, to the Guatemalans, do not come to the United States. Do not come here. Stay where you are. Now, okay, this got attacks from both sides. And this is a this is something that I, I'm pretty sure we talked about. I know I've talked about it privately with people, that the Democrats were going to have a lot of problems amongst themselves because there are two factions of the Democratic Party. There is the Liberal Party and there's the Progressive Party. And they're constantly fighting with each other. And so you first had um, the progressives like AOC saying that that was absolutely cruel and heartless to tell them not to come here, that this is the land of opportunity. These, and, and, and she does have somewhat of a point here that many of these people aren't fleeing here because they're lazy and they want to get on welfare. They're fleeing Guatemala because they have a very corrupt government. The government is killing people. The government is persecuting. The government is, um, you know, people are starving. One Guatemalan woman who was interviewed said that the reason she wanted her son to come to Guatemala or to come to the United States is because the neighbor's child died of starvation and she doesn't want that for her own child. And America is a great place of opportunity. You know, it is the greatest nation in the world and she wanted her son to come here so he could have opportunities that he can't have. He can actually have a future, which he can't have in Guatemala. So what so AOC's position was, what a horrible thing to say. The United States has always been a sanctuary for people who are being persecuted, who are fleeing their homeland, where they could come for freedom and and you know, all the things, the Statue of Liberty and all the promises that, that we've made that, you know, here we are a land of opportunity. We are a land of compassion and things. And now you're telling them to stay where they're going to surely face death or torture or neglect and you're telling them to stay there and don't come to the United States because we're full, you know, we don't want you here. So you have AOC complaining about this. So you have the progressives, uh, namely AOC, but the progressives in general are complaining that she told them to stay and, and not to come here. And then you have uh, the Republicans who are attacking her because when she ran for president, just, uh, well, by last year, she'd already dropped out. But in 2019, when she was a candidate for president, she argued against Trump's bans and his what she called draconian me measures at the border, saying that every citizen of the world should be allowed to come to the United States. They should be allowed to come here. There should be no bans. There should be no wall that is racist, that is, it is horrible. These people come here for a better life, and what and 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 it's just un-American. 
and inhumane to do this. So now they're bringing up her old arguments saying, you said once before that, that they should be coming here, that we should be allowing them here and that the Trump administration was heartless and wrong to not let them in. And now you're saying, don't come here. So she's getting attacked from both sides now. Well, um, so, I mean, she really has had a disastrous trip and this was supposed to be her big, this was her big foreign policy trip. This was her first big trip, not just as vice president, but in her life, because um, before as attorney general of California and as a U.S. senator, she, you know, she didn't do traveling around the world and meeting with world leaders. So this isn't only her first um, trip as vice president, but it's her, her first solo trip ever um, representing the United States. And it's been an absolute disaster. And of course, just today, she announced that she will be going to the border. Uh, this is, of course, to stop the bleeding, because there are certain stories that if you ignore them, they will eventually go away. And that that does happen. There are certain stories that if you don't give fire, fuel to the fire or oxygen to it, the story will die out after a few days. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm not I'm not going to go through the history of that because there are some examples, but. But, you know, where things have, have gone away, you just don't talk about them, and it doesn't have legs, as they say in, in the media. It, it doesn't go anywhere. It just kind of lays there, and it dies. And there are other stories that if you ignore them, they only get bigger. This is the, what we saw with Hillary Clinton's emails. This is the problem that um, – uh, uh, well, okay. Uh, okay, I, I, I had some in my mind, and then I, I totally lost them. That's enough said right there. This is one of those stories that the longer she doesn't go to the border and the more she ignores it, the bigger the story gets. The big the story starts ceases to become why hasn't she gone to the border? Then um or or I mean the emphasis changes. Like instead of, you know, just a, a simple why hasn't she gone there? Like what's preventing her from going? Um it becomes like, why won't she go to the border? Now she's just being stubborn. Why is she refusing to go? You know, it's before it was just a, how come she hasn't made a stop down there? Why hasn't she made that a priority? Then it becomes, what is she doing? Why won't she go? She's refusing to go. It's becoming political. It's becoming personal. She does not want to go because the Republicans told her to go. And, you know, and so, it be, and that's what's happening here. She did this trip, although it was a disaster in many ways, but it was overshadowing everything. The, she got that question from Lester Holt. She held a press conference after she met with the Guatemalan president, and the first question that came out of the mouth was, why, why haven't you gone to the border yet? When are you planning to go? The longer she doesn't go to the border, the bigger the issue becomes. The more people that start saying, go to the border, go to the border. Why aren't you going to the border? What's happening at the border? Why are you refusing to go to the border? What... What is keeping you from doing your job? Why don't you want to go there? You know, and, and it will soon overtake everything, including Biden's trip to Europe. I mean, if if she – I don't know if I finished my sentence, but she announced today she's going to go to the border. She hasn't announced when, it, when she's going, but she said she's going to be going to the border soon. And if she hadn't done that, then pretty soon Biden's going to be on his trip in Europe. And when he talks to reporters, they're going to say, how come the vice president hasn't gone to the border? How come she refuses to go to the border? What is holding her up from going to the border? Have you talked to her about going to the border? Why haven't you ordered her to go there? You know, um, 
it'll start to encom- it'll start to overwhelm every agenda will become Harris hasn't gone to the border. It's day number 800 and she hasn't been to the border. It's day number 801 and she still hasn't gone to the border. You know, it becomes this big, big, big issue that snowballs and pretty soon becomes the elephant in the room. Every time she talks, every time she says something, you know, the elephant in the room is, how come she hasn't gone to the border yet? So um, they had to do something. And so she announced today that she's going to go, hasn't released when she's going to go. But she's going to go. And I know she doesn't want to. I know it's a pride thing now because it would be for me if my political opponents, I won't say enemies because that's not how I would view them. But if my political opponents were demanding that I do something and I said, I'll do it in my own time. I've got other things that I'm doing right now. And and they just kept this chant going and going and going. And pretty soon the media is asking me and everything. I would really be hesitant to give in because I wouldn't want them to win. I wouldn't want them to walk away and saying, you know, we told her to go to the border and she went or he went if it was me. You know, I wouldn't want them to feel like that they're ordering me around, that they're setting the agenda. And I'm sure that's how Kamala Harris feels. She's the vice president of the United States. She doesn't want the Republicans setting her agenda and telling her that she has to go to the border. You know, I know that's how she feels, you know, um, we'll take care of the, they had four years to take care of the crisis at the border. This is her words. I'm sure this is how I imagine she's thinking they had four years to take care of the crisis at the border and they didn't. And now we've been in office less than six months and they're demanding that I go there and do something. Forget it. I've got other things to do right now. You know, they didn't care about the border for four years. I'm not going to, you know, don't expect me to rush down there and solve the problem that they created. Of course, this is from her point of view, I'm saying, from the Democrats' point of view, from her point of view, that the Republicans created that problem at the border or exasperated it, and now they expect me to do the cleanup, and they want me to do it right now. I'm sure she's hesitant to go down there and give them a win and say, you know, and have them say, see, you know, we snapped our fingers and she jumped to it because we are really running Washington even though they won the election, we're the real power in Washington. So I know it's killing her to actually have to go to the border because, uh, you know, she doesn't feel there's any really urge or for any urgent need to, and she certainly doesn't want to. And now she's feeling this peer pressure. She has to go. And I'm sure that Biden, or at least Biden's aides are probably telling her, do it. This thing is becoming, you know, this is this is turning into, uh, you know, a mountain. You just need to. We need to stop this now. It's becoming a much bigger deal than it should have been. Just go to the border and everything will be fine. And so I, I'm sure she's getting a lot of pressure inside and outside the administration from the media, from Republicans, from members of Congress, people who are saying, just go to the border. Just if you just go to the border, they'll stop. Just go there. It's real simple. You know, and so anyway, that's that's the big thing that is happening right now. I don't know because Biden just left. I don't have any updates on what Biden's doing over there. I do. I did see a statement by his chief of staff saying that Biden is going to introduce at some point while he's in Europe a vaccination plan for the whole world, which seems odd to say the least. And it, I, I, I don't know. I just that's all the information I have on it right now. 
I don't know if later tonight or tomorrow, by the time you hear this, it may have been announced, but that is all they put. It was very cryptic, a vaccination plan for the entire world. I don't know. Um, it, but I mean, I'll be interested in seeing what, what he says, but it just, I don't know. It just seemed very strange to me. It seemed very like a tall order and just very strange. Um, here, uh, Breitbart has an article from about the New York times. Mara gay is the name of this woman. And the headline reads seeing trucks with UX us flags disturbing. She calls for separating Americanness America from whiteness. This one really burns my buttons. Uh, I am a very patriotic American. I have a lot. I have problems with America. I see America like a woman. I mean, you know, like a woman that I love. She has flaws. I'm not, I'm not going to say she's perfect in every way. I admit she has flaws, but I love her in spite of her flaws. And, um, you know, I'm not one of these rose colored, uh, uh, patriots who think that America has never done anything wrong in its entire life, that slavery was perfectly justified, what we did to the Native Americans were justified, everything we've ever done, every war we've ever got involved with was all perfect and good and great and was God's will and all this. I mean, I'm not one of those people. I, I can be very critical about America. I can be very critical about our government. Um, I can be very critical about our presidents. But that doesn't no way diminishes my love for America. I can criticize America and still love her. I can still have things that I wish she were different about things that I wish she would better herself or, you know, or something, but I don't, but I still love her. I still am devoted to her. And so this is one area that really burns my buttons. I'll say that's a phrase my grandma used to say really burns my buttons. Um, the attack on patriotism and the non-love for our country just gets under my skin like no other. Criticize things, but don't tear down the nation. Don't insult it. And don't insult our flag. Don't insult people who love our country. And it just makes me mad. This New York, here's the article. New York Times columnist Mara Gay said Tuesday on MSNBC's Morning Joe, that she noticed trucks with American flags and was disturbed by what she saw. During a conversation about the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol, Gay said that she also saw trucks with anti-President Joe Biden messages and Trump flags and advised that the message she got from the American flags was, this is my country, this is not your country. Here's her quote. You know, it really it's really concerning to me that the Democrats haven't just gone ahead at this point and said, we're doing this on our own in terms of getting a commission together to explain to the American people how we allow the insurrection to take place in the Capitol. I think that really needs to move forward swiftly, Gay stated. You know, the reality is here that we have a large percentage of the American population. I don't know how big it is, but we have tens of millions of Trump voters who continue to believe that their rights as citizens are under threat by simple virtue of having to share the democracy with others. I think that as long as they see Americanness as the same as one with whiteness, this is going to continue. We have to figure out how to get every American a place at the table in this democracy 
but how to separate Americanness, America, from whiteness. Until we can confront that and talk about that, this is really going to continue, she warned. And then she continues on. I was on Long Island this weekend, visiting a really dear friend, and I was really disturbed. I saw, you know, dozens and dozens of pickup trucks with expletives against Joe Biden on the back of them, Trump flags, and in some cases, just dozens of American flags, which was also just disturbing because essentially the message was clear. It was, this is my country. This is not your country. I own this. And so until we're ready to have that conversation, this is going to continue. Uh, what really is concerning to me as well is it's not just Democrats in Congress. I think there's a large percentage of Americans, even some of my colleagues in journalism, who are invested in some way in pretending that this isn't a threat that it is. That is a real concern because, you know, the Trump voters who are not going to get on board with democracy, they're a minority. You can marginalize them long term, but if we don't take the threat seriously, then I think we're in all in really bad shape. Morning Joe co-host Mika Brzezinski added, totally agree. Well, I totally disagree. Now, I agree that it isn't appropriate. I'm not saying it's illegal or should be. It probably isn't appropriate to have expletives written on your truck. Um, I'm not even just talking about expletives against the president of the United States. I mean, that's part of free speech. You can criticize the president all you want. Expletives, uh, you know, it's probably not appropriate. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't confront somebody. I wouldn't pull, I wouldn't demand that they pull over and yell at them, but I myself would not do that. I don't think it's appropriate. Um, you know, but to, so that, I, I mean, I don't, I don't agree with her, but yeah, I can understand where that might be a little disturbing, especially if you have kids having expletives written on the truck and you're driving by and you know, you don't really want your kids to see that sort of thing. But, and, and honestly, I, I don't understand. I mean, I understand why a lot of people supported Donald Trump. I don't really understand the, I don't understand this about Christmas. When people keep Christmas lights on all the way up until like February, um, I don't understand why uh, any political party would leave their political signs out you know, we'd still have signs out by June when the election was in November. I just don't understand that. I'm not saying it should be against the law. I just don't understand. Uh, I drive around and there are a couple of houses that I've seen that have that still have Trump flags and, and Trump signs. And and one of them even has a life-size uh, cardboard cutout of Donald Trump that's standing in their window looking out at the street. I, I don't really understand why you would still have that stuff up. But I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I don't think it's illegal. It's just kind of odd to me that you would still be doing this. I mean, I would, I would also, I would, I would find it very odd if I saw, you know, Kennedy Johnson, you know, um, paraphernalia in someone's lawn from 19, you know, the 1960 election. I mean, I'd be like, that stuff probably belongs in a museum or in somewhere. I, I just don't know why you have it in your lawn. I mean, it's, you know, that election was a while ago. That's just me. I'm again, I'm not, I'm not saying these people are weirdos. I'm not saying these people are wrong. I'm not saying, you know, that they're obsessive or that there's anything mentally or uh, wrong with them or anything. I just, I just don't understand it personally when the election's over 
I tend to get rid of all of my signs and, and everything. You know, when Christmas is over, I get rid of my Christmas stuff for Halloween. I just, that's just how I am. So I have to admit, I'm not, I'm not sure what's really in the mindset of people who still have Trump flags flying on their vehicles or, you know, in their yard. I understand you like Trump, but I'm not, I just don't understand it. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I don't feel threatened. I'm not angry. I just saying personally, I just don't see why you would still have that stuff up. But hey, that is part of the freedom of speech. They're allowed to do that. There is nothing harmful about that. There is nothing wrong about that. There is nothing disturbing about that. It's just a little unusual. Um, but American flags on the back of your truck, to me, that's an American thing. Of course, I've grown up in the Midwest for the most part. I mean, I've lived around different parts of the country, but when I was really old enough to know about politics and, and understand it, you know, I live in the Midwest and I have family that lives in the South. And that's a very common thing. Um, I have friends at church. Uh, I have a friend at church that um, drives around. He has a big American flag on the back of his truck. Um, I have friends outside of church, but that have uh, just a flag emblem in their in their truck window, you know, in the back. They have a big flag. It's not an actual flag, but it's an emblem. Um, to me, that's just an expression of patriotism. This woman is from New York. So first of all, I think seeing pickup trucks are probably an anomaly anyway for her. And then on top of it, to see uh, patriotic Americans is probably uh, foreign to her as well. And so I imagine it was a little scary because she associates pickup trucks and American flags with Republicans, uh, with Trump supporters, with white folks. So for her, I guess this was the equivalent of seeing a noose in the back of the truck. It was the equivalent of seeing slavery, of seeing Jim Crow, of seeing, um, you know, the police beatings of the, of the black people and, you know, in Selma and, and, and these things. I guess that's immediately because she's not used to this sort of thing. <coughs> I guess this is what immediately flashed into her mind, which... I it completely, it is true that I personally have never seen a black guy in a pickup truck with a big flag flying in the back, that everybody, everybody that I've seen has been white, but that can't, but that is evidentiary and isn't necessarily true of all people because to be honest, the area that I live in is a predominantly white area. So it's not unusual that the only people I've seen with flags in the back of their trucks are white. But that isn't a whiteness thing. It's not part of quote unquote white culture that we go around waving flags. And, you know, um, so I, I don't know. She's one of these quote unquote journalists who lives in a very liberal area and spends most of her time downgrading America, a land that she lives in, a land that has allows her, a black woman, to be a, 
a journalist for a major newspaper. Uh, and yet she wants to tear down the country as if everyone's holding her back. Uh, so I, I just, it, it, it just bothers me. I, I don't, and it bothers me that, and I actually have a couple of democratic friends on social media who on their Twitter and stuff, they put an American flag on their Twitter and these are Democrats. And they've actually said that one of the things that bothers the most is that they are patriots. They love America, but people think that they are Trump supporting Republicans because they have a flag on their Twitter and they'll have Democrats write them without reading anything that they have on their thing, but they'll just see that and call them names and insult them and, and call them racists and things like that. And they said they really are disturbed that the American flag automatically makes people think that you're a Republican, that the Republican, that patriotism should be a bipartisan thing, a love for America, a love for your flag and things like that shouldn't be just a Republican thing. And they're trying to take it back, but it's hard because it has become so engrossed by, it's been so not engrossed, it has been beat into our heads by these journalists that um, really uh, patriotism and flags and love of country and talking about God and freedom and faith, I guess it'd be freedom and faith and, and, and things like this are suddenly Republican things that, that you can only, you know, that, that, you know, I, I mean, and it, it does bother me too. It bothers me. And I'd like to see the Democrats reclaim that. I'd like to see some of my friends on social media finally succeed in reclaiming that America belongs to all of us. And it's time the Democrats start being patriotic too, and stop just running down the country all the time and putting up pride flags and all the, I, it, okay, don't even get me started on, on that. I'm not even going to go there. That's a whole different episode, a whole different show. But anyway, that it, it really bothers me that that American flags bother her. Um, to me, and I know it might sound schmaltzy, but my, my favorite colors literally are red, white, and blue. Together, those are my favorite co colors. Blue is my favorite color. But red and white, when they're the same color as the flag, like that kind of firehouse red, um, and that blue, and the pure white, those, I just have a weakness for that. Like, I love those colors. I love that look. Um, I, I, I just, uh, I love the 4th of July when I go to Meyer and other places and they have all of this red, white, and blue, they'll have bouquets of flowers, red, white, and blue flowers. They'll have, um, you know, they'll have hats, they'll have chains, they have every, you know, shirts. I mean, just all this red, white, and blue. I'm in heaven. I go there and I'm just like, this is amazing. Um, you know, so to me, if I see a sea of, of flags, it stirs my heart. It does not make me angry. I'm not disturbed. I'm not scared. I see a bunch of flags and I think I'm home. I mean, I just feel comfortable. I feel like I could just lay down and go to sleep right here, surrounded by these flags. We just, it, I don't know. Um, I, I just, I just love it. And I just cannot understand how any American 
could be disgusted by our flag. I just cannot understand that. And and, and maybe it's just uh, this kind of American exceptionalism idea that a lot of Americans have. But honestly, I cannot, I look at some of the flags of other countries and I hear some of their um, national anthems and I think how on earth would that be stirring? If you look at like, there's one flag that's like black, green and yellow. And I think, how could you, how could, and maybe it's just because I'm an American and the American flag is just beauty to me. Like maybe it's kind of like, you know, beauty in the eye of the beholder. Like some, some women will have this guy that ever, all the other women look at and be like, why, what on earth would she see in him? But he's the most beautiful man she's ever seen and vice versa. A, a guy will find his wife to be the most beautiful woman in the world, even though other people might be like, yeah, but she's all right, but she's not gorgeous. But to him, she is. I don't know, but I see these other flags and think, how could that stir people? Our flag is so beautiful and so colorful. And I look at these other flags and I hear the other national anthems and think, why on earth would that inspire anybody? I mean, who would want to look at that? You know, who would want to hang that outside in front of their house? I mean, that just flag's just ugly. So I don't know. I don't know. I <laughs> I kind of got off on a, a tangent there, but I, I just don't understand people like Mara Gay. And now she's trying to defend it, and she's, uh, I don't know, I don't know. She just keeps making it worse, but um, this is definitely one of those, if you don't like it, leave it. If you don't like America, then go. No, nothing's holding you back here. Um, uh, let's see. We're quickly running out of time. We've got about 10 minutes here. Um, this one I'm going to give without real commentary. Um I might, well, I'm going to try not to anyway. Uh, this is from the Blaze Media, and it's the New York City Department of Education features drag queen for show aimed at three to eight-year-olds. Um, this is just disturbing. This is just disturbing. Um, and we might actually end with this because there's another story that goes along with it. And I won't be able to get into some of the other stories, but that's okay. The New York City Department of Education featured a drag queen known as Little Miss Hot Mess. In a show aimed at three to eight-year-olds airing on PBS, wherein the performer and author declared, I think we might have some drag, drag queens in training on our hands. Um, if I start to puke, I'll, I'll quickly hit the pause button. So um, let me continue here. The Daily Caller first reported on the episode of a series called Let's Learn, which is a partnership between PBS member station WNET TV in NYCDOE. It aims to help children three to eight with at-home learning with programs featuring instruction by educators and virtual field trips. I am a drag queen and a children's book author, Little Miss Hot Mess begins. And you may be wondering to yourself, what on earth is a drag queen? The host then described drag queens in part as everyday people who like to play pretend and dress up as often as we can. Going on to say drag queens also are leaders in our community. And if you ask me, we make pretty good role models. I wish I had a barf emoji right now. Um, after a lengthy description, Little Miss Hot Mess declares, today I'm going to read from my own book, which is the hips on the drag queen go swish, 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 performing it to the tune of the wheels on the bus. The author explained, I wrote this book because I wanted everyone to get to experience the magic of drag and to get a little practice shaking their hips 
and shimmying their shoulders to know how we can feel fabulous inside our of our own bodies hold on it's not your own body you're literally putting on clown makeup and dressed like a woman that is not feeling fabulous in your own body that is a make-believe dress-up body ah okay all right i'll continue at one point little miss hot mess tells her audience i think we might have some drag queens in training on our hands when asked for a comment on the show a pbs spokesperson quote emphasized repeatedly that let's learn is not a pbs series but was made available to pbs stations the caller noted little miss hot mess is also reportedly one of the founding members of drag queen story hour which boasts events throughout the nation with drag queens reading to children at public libraries and schools last year one missouri lawmaker who introduced a bill to stop the drag queen story hour events in his state reported receiving death threats for proposing the legislation seriously death threats what are they going to hit you with their purse stab you with their lipstick come on uh, I, I can't imagine these people being in a bar fight okay continuing it's an issue of protecting our kid kids from what i believe is a concentrated effort to push the lgbtq agenda onto uh, our children representative ben baker told the daily caller in a separate report at the time even worse than that subjecting them to unwanted advances by people that i believe have nefarious intentions for children and that's my concern um yeah i i totally agree this is just creepy and weird i mean i i mean i mean it's a freedom of expression of if a person wants to dress up in women's clothes and and makeup and 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 shimmy and shake their booty and all this other stuff that hey that's fine but you know uh don't subject our kids to it you know if you want to have a little show in charge admission you know and people willingly say hey i'd like to see that and spend my hard-earned money and throw it away on some idiocy that's their right but you don't do that to children you don't force children to have to be subjected to this and then i i mean i, I don't know that's just crazy um so I, I don't know i this thing is just weird to me um uh one i saw this lgbtq uh and it just reminded me of this joke i just heard um on social media uh this republican said yes i am l lgbtq and then he put down what it stands for and it's let's get biden to quit is what he said lgbtq stands for and I just thought it was pretty creative and funny. Let's get Biden to quit. Um, but New York is just a messed up city. I mean, I would love to go to New York to visit. Absolutely. There's some things in New York that I would really like to, there's a lot of historic things in New York that I'd love to visit, uh, uh, historic sites and things like that. But um, but recently a woman had to, had to resign, uh, a teacher had to resign in New York. Um, and this kind of goes along the same lines. I wasn't planning on talking about this, but in which uh, they had um, a, a third grade class, I think it was third grade, that uh, the teacher sent out a notice to parents ask, telling them that 
they wanted to do, well, actually the principal sent it out on behalf of the teacher saying that they wanted to do a course in health and hygiene for these third graders, particularly because of COVID and everything. They wanted to do this health and hygiene, teaching kids how to properly, you know, uh, wash their hands and, you know, and, and, and things like this, and a little bit about health and how to stay healthy. And so the parents overwhelmingly said, yes, we want to see that. Um, that'd be great. Teach our kids about, you know, how to take care of themselves and some of these health and hygiene issues. It was a complete and total fabrication. Whether the principal knew about this, I do not know. The principal claimed he was tricked. The teacher, this very progressive teacher, then decided to teach sex ed to these kids. Uh, mind you, the parents did not know this is what they were agreeing to when they signed the, the, the permission slip. They were told this was health and hygiene, not sex ed. So these third graders were taken in and they were told uh, together, mind you, also, all about sex, all about the proper names to call their an anatomy. Um, one, one boy had said something, I don't know. She asked him a very leading question and he responded about his pee pee. And she said, that is not what it's called. You know, and she told him never to say that word, but to use the more anatomically correct terms. And she was teaching them about masturbation and, um, and rape and consent. And, uh, also on point told them that they were not allowed to be touched in any way without their consent. So their grandparents should not be allowed just to come up and give them a hug. You know, if your grandparents attempt to give you a hug, you were to tell them you haven't asked my consent yet to touch me. Um, so anyway, as kids do, they went home and told their parents, which is wonderful. I mean, it's great. Kids should be telling their parents things. They shouldn't be hiding things. But this teacher apparently did not want them to go home and tell their parents all about it. You know, these are private things that you really shouldn't talk about with your family and, and things like this, although she seemed to think it was perfectly okay in the classroom. So, but the kids ignored her and went home and were telling their parents. And this is liberal New York City. And even if they were down at that school, they were demanding action. They wanted firings. They wanted to press charges. They were absolutely irate. The teacher did get fired. The teacher got fired. And I haven't heard yet as to what happened to the principal. There were calls for him to resign. I don't know yet if he has done that. But I was completely shocked when I read about this. Um, I was shocked, but to be honest, not too surprised because it was New York City. So this goes along with this other thing I'm saying here that New York City, I would love to visit New York City, but I would never live in New York City. I mean, I can't say maybe never is too strong a word because I suppose if, if I was getting paid a million dollars a year, but I had to live in New York City, I, I might, I, you know, I probably would move to New York City if I was being paid a million dollars a year. I just wouldn't send my kids to school 
and I would be very guarded about everything that, you know, I would be very involved in their life. You know, if they were even going down, I wouldn't just send them to the library for a story hour. I'd go with them. I sit with them, or at least I would sit in at the beginning. I might go and look for some books while they're in the middle of reading and come back and get them. But I would make sure that my kids are taken care of. I'm not just going to be like, Oh, well, off you go, come back when you're done. You know, uh, I would be very involved in my kids' education. They wouldn't be going to public school if they lived in New York. Um, so I can't say I'd never live in New York, but, um, you know, if the, if the situation was right, I might. But I have no desire to live in a place like New York. No desire. Because it, it is just, you know, how Mara Gay thought that seeing pickup truck trucks and American flags were foreign to her. It was like being in a foreign country. That's how I would feel in New York. It feels like a foreign country. The, the things that they do and teach in New York, the things that they allow in New York, um, their permissibility, um, you know, I, I, I just, it's not a very good, it wouldn't be a good upbringing. It wouldn't be good for me even as a grown adult, I don't think it'd be a very good upbringing for my kids or for any kids to be in that kind of environment where you have uh, drug cultures, you have prostitution, you have, um, you know, you have pornography, you have, uh, you know, strip shows, you have, um, you know, drag queens and you have, you know, I mean, just this, I, I just, to me, it just, I mean, no offense to New York. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I don't mean to put down New Yorkers. I know there's be a lot of New Yorkers that say, well, I'd never want to live in Michigan either. Um, but just for me personally, it's not a place that I would like to live. It's not a place that I would like my family to live in. It's not, and I wouldn't want my kids to think that is normal, that that's the real world. To me, that's not, that's a foreign nation. And it's an, it, it's, it, it's an area that I wouldn't even recognize if I lived there. I mean, there, I'm, there's a lot of good people in New York. I don't want to, I don't want to say that everyone from New York is is um, crazy and and um, bad influences, and that everybody there is just horrible. But I, I just, just overall, the culture overall is not an area that I would like to live in. Um, there's also a big deal being made because it's of course Pride Month, and they're going to do the Pride Parade. And there is actually arguments even within the gay and lesbian community about what they call kink in the pride parade. Um, you know, it's not, instead of just being a bunch of gays and lesbians walking down the street uh, in pride, um, there are some who want, you know, pedophilia represented, some who want these weird sexual, pseudo-sexual, masochistic, kind of weird, you know, leather and whips. And I don't even know all of it because I don't, I'm not in that world. Um, I don't follow that, but I just know that that's kind of the definition of kink. Like this really weird stuff. And there are some who are saying, let's, you know, we need to express who we are and let's just go all out and be who we want to be. And, you know, it's a gay pride parade. And there are others who are saying, within the gay and lesbian community who are saying that's just too much. I mean, you do that and you're going to turn people against us. I mean, we want to make it look like we're just like everybody else. We just, our sexual preference is different, 
but we're just like everyone else. We're accountants. We're teachers. We're, you know, we're factory workers. We 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 own bodegas. We're librarians. You know, we're we're just like you are. We're just just have a different sexual orientation. And they said by bringing all that, that's going to scare off people. That's going to make people want to avoid us. And you know, so but that's what I'm talking about. Like I I wouldn't want to see that kind of stuff. I wouldn't want to see that. I don't want to be walking down the street and seeing that. Um, so I, I just, I, I'm sorry. I don't mean to go off on New York. I just, it, it just for me personally, with all these things, it's not a place I'd want to live. And I wouldn't mind visiting there and seeing some of the sites, but I would be very particular about where I go if I was visiting. But I certainly want to wouldn't want to live there because I just don't think that is the culture that uh, I'd want to be around. And it's not the culture that I'd want my family or my children, certainly, to grow up in and believing that this is just normal. That this is how, this is this is just normal America. And it's not. It's not, uh, I hate to say the real America, but it's not really. Because it's a small minority in, that have a majority in that area. But as far as the country, they're a minority. So I would want my kids to know that, that this isn't representative of America as a whole. Oh, so anyway, um, I've ran over again, but I uh, hope you all have a great week um, and we'll uh, be safe, uh, be knowledgeable, stay up on the issues, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye, everyone.